0: Wow, aren't you glad you came today? This morning, uh, all that we've already experienced together was amazing. Uh, We could just say, enjoy, have a great day, and we would have really spent time worthwhile being here. But I hope I don't let you down. I have a message for you. We're going to go with week two of Go, Ready, Set. Freeman began a new series for us last week, and we kind of collaborated, worked together on that and really excited about this series because we're challenged by Jesus to think like Jesus and it's a little bit different than the way we typically think. And so, if you missed last week, Jesus gave this wildly open invitation to pretty much the, what the Jews would have considered the scum of the earth and he says to Matthew, follow me. Follow me. It's like... Go before you're ready, before you're set. I mean, he wasn't ready at all. He wasn't set. He's not believing in Jesus. He's, he doesn't even know what to make of it all, but there's this acceptance and a wildly open invitation to be a part of something better. And Matthew pushes his chair back, gets up and takes some steps, which is incredible. And then he begins to get ready. And then he begins to Get set. We're, we're about, you know, on your mark, get ready, get set, go. And, and all this other preliminary stuff first, and Jesus just bypasses it all. Follow me. So that's what began the whole series last week. And so the whole thing was follow Today, in week two, the whole thing is believe, but it follows following. We always think in terms of, well, here's how we typically think. We think, okay, first got to kind of get to know about Jesus, and then you kind of begin to believe, and you kind of have to keep working at understanding it all so that you can maybe come to a place of believing more, and maybe if you're convinced, if you're convinced, you might take a step. And Jesus blows by all of that, and he says, follow me. It doesn't work like that. Follow me. Because if you follow me, then you'll begin to believe. And if you begin to believe, you're gonna become convinced. And that's what this whole series is all about. So here's a question we're dealing with today. The question reads, what if I'm having trouble believing God, or even that there is a God? What can I do? Now just in case... You think this question isn't about you because I don't have trouble believing in God. That's why I'm here. I don't have uh, trouble believing that there is a God. Of course not. That's why I'm here. I don't assume that everybody has come here is absolutely convinced. And I believe that even if you are convinced, that these principles strengthen your faith. There is something you can do. And so we're going to address this question, what if I'm having trouble believing God, or even that there is a God, what can I do? Because Jesus gives an answer to this question, and it's really radical. It's not the way we think. And so we're going to jump to John 7, and here's what Jesus says. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Do you see the order there? It says you're not sure. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out. That's just from our mindset, it's backwards. And in other places in scripture, yeah, you do read the other order where we hear first, we kind of come, aha, and then we believe and then we begin to follow. That order is in scripture, but this order challenges us because I believe that, Even within our audience, there are a number of us who are waiting. We're holding back. We keep hearing week after week after week about how we need to take a next step. And we're waiting to be compelled. We're waiting to be convinced. We're waiting for something. Maybe it's a, I don't know, a whammy, whatever that is. A spiritual, (gasps) woo. okay, okay. I don't know what you're waiting for, but Jesus sometimes simply approaches it this way. Anyone who chooses that we we are in a position where we can choose to do some things, we can choose to take a step to see if, to see if this is reality. So on the screen, I put a kind of a big quote because my my brain is kind of small, and here's the big quote to remember it all. And I think it'll help you to read it too. What if I don't know if I believe in God or Jesus? You can't make yourself believe something you don't believe. But there is something you can do. Like in any relationship, trust is developed or not through our interactions. You can put into practice what God says to see if the teaching reflects reality or not. Now, maybe those of you who are listening to this and you think, well, I I do believe in God. I do trust God. Well, this still doesn't bypass you. You can allow your belief level to rise with your steps, rise with your interactions, rise with your sense of reality. So here's, just let me put it simply. You're just struggling and you're weak, you're kind of low. You're not even sure what's going on. You're not even sure why you're off. You're just kind of off. And you're kind of waiting for something to happen to get back on. And you're thinking, well, I don't even know how to get back on. Well, if we listen to Jesus and we come to Jesus, and I've done this a number of times where I just open up the living word of God as Jesus would have me do and I begin to look at the words and interact with God as if those words really came from God. My trust level in that interaction actually begins to rise. Even though I'm a convinced believer who happens to be a pastor, I go through this, where when I increase my interactions and I step in that direction, my convincing My level of convincement, is that a good way to put it? I'm more convinced, and I don't even know how it happens. There's like this mysterious thing. It's like this shift takes place, and I'm not as off. The out-of-control stuff in my life shifts, and the stuff of my life becomes more at peace. And I can't even describe the hows and the whats. It's just that I'm taking steps after Jesus. This is what we're talking about today. I'm really excited about it. So point number one, if you're the kind of person that likes to take notes, a couple of blanks to fill in. If you follow him, then you will come to believe in him. This is the backward kind of thinking that we're talking about. We're going to say it over and over again. Because I believe there are people out there who believe in him, but are struggling with their belief in him precisely at this point. And I believe there are people out there who are not going to follow because they're not convinced they believe. And either way, there's something you can do. You can take a step to see if my trust level rises. Just like in any relationship, I can interact to see if I like him more. I can interact to see if this relationship is worth pursuing. I can interact with you and see if you're worth my time. That's really a bad way to put it, but we do this all the time with people. And God, in my view, is a real person. Okay? He's real. So we're testing reality. That's something you can do. Back to the verse, John 7, 17. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. So you see, you test, follow what I tell you. I'm going to explain some things, try it out. And if you try it out, you're going to discover what I just told you is not just my opinion. I'm coming with information from heaven that is describing reality, Jesus is saying, and you're going to discover that this reality I'm describing is real, even though it sounds so otherworldly and is so different than the world is pumping into your brain. It is real, and you're going to be convinced this is a better way to live. It is real. Here's another simple way to put it. Here's a quote on the screen. If you don't know how to ride a bike, you will never know how until you Pedal. Right? Faith is like that. Walking with Jesus is like that. You can't just stand and wait and observe until you're convinced. You have to see if it's real and get on that bike and pedal. And that's how you learn to walk to see if this God thing that we're talking about and if Jesus were, in his words and his teaching and his explanation has any merit. Point number two. Many people will not believe because they will not follow. It sounds like the same thing that I just said, but there's a slight difference in nuance here. Many people will not believe because they will not follow. And just to convince you how important this is, many people who used to believe will actually come to a place of not believing if they will not follow. You see what I'm saying? When you stop following, your believing level drops. Your trust level drops. And you know people, and I know people, who used to believe, who used to follow, who stopped following, and then stopped believing. And we're talking about that kind of thing. Now, we're going to turn to a lengthy passage of Scripture, so lengthy, I didn't want to put it on the screen. I want you to look at the pages, feel the pages. We're in John chapter 6. And this is going to address this thing. Grab the chair Bible if you'd like to be in the same translation that I'm reading from. Page 744. And if you don't have your own easy-to-read Bible, uh, we give these away. So that Bible you just grab from the chair in front of you, once you find that spot, um, you might want to hold your finger there, go to the front, put your name in it. If you'd like to have a Bible, we'd love to give that to you as a gift. John chapter 6 describes a very controversial section of scripture, or uh, interaction of Jesus. Jesus had hundreds and thousands of people following him, clamoring for more of his attention, and as um, he was teaching, he actually... Taught in such a way, rather than attract people, he decides to test their following with a very challenging teaching, and at this chapter, hordes and hordes of people turn away and stop following Jesus. And so we're going to read about that and see how the disciples fared better because they had followed, okay? So at verse 28, John chapter 6, verse 28, we read, Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe in the one he has sent. Now, lest you get all of this follow first stuff wrong, none of us are following our way into the kingdom in an achievement way. Can't do it. It's the believing that gets us in because it's a receiving by our trust in Jesus that gets us into a relationship with God through Jesus. Though the work of God is to believe, but there are steps we can take to allow that believing to rise in our lives. Verse 30, so they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? So they're going, okay, so we're, okay, if the work is to believe, what are you going to do to make us believe? Give us another miracle. Now, he has already fed them miraculously. Give us another one. What are you going to do next? Is what their question is. So that we can believe. What will you do? Verse 31. They're baiting him now. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them. Now, let me just back up. What they're saying is, okay. You seem pretty cool. You just did a miracle with bread and fish and fed us, and we want more. But that was just like bread and fish. Moses now, in the wilderness, when we were led out historically out of Egypt before we were a nation and had our own land, he fed us for 40 years miraculously with this bread from heaven. Can you do that? They're baiting him. Jesus' response, verse 32, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. Moses just produced, uh, by prayer and faith, manna. God did this thing. And manna is just substance that you'd never seen before, that you ate. And then he's going to say something that is going to blow them away. He's going to claim to be the bread from heaven. But it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. Now, there's something about that crowd that's not coming. They're not They're not coming in Jesus' direction. They're observing and wanting from him, but they're not coming to him. Interesting. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Skip down to verse 41. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Skip down to verse 51. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give you for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Eek. Okay? It kind of turns your stomach, these phrases of Jesus. Okay? Jesus is not afraid to offend. Nobody is coming his direction. Rather than explain himself gently, explain himself in such a way that just causes them to be convinced, he draws a line and you decide. He's okay with offending them. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Let's skip down to verse 66 where we read, From this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. I think Jesus drew the line. He knew what was going to happen, but he's not interested in this easy-believing, responding-to-miracle-only type of faith. He's interested in followers. And so he challenges their understanding and does not explain and asks them, are you going to follow or not? Challenges their understanding. Now, what's interesting is we keep reading. In verse 67, he turns to those few who are left. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now let me just throw this in your direction for you to ponder and chew on for a second. Peter doesn't understand his words. Peter is kind of weirded out by Jesus' words too. He doesn't get it. But he has already gone through the go, ready, ready. And now he's convinced. He has already begun to follow Jesus. He's seen enough. He's heard enough that even though Jesus lays out this, whoa, this, this thing that I don't get. It's too hard. It's weird. I, ugh. When Jesus just point blank asks him, are you going to desert me too? Peter wisely says, I don't get this. But I have this I know from what I've seen so far, I, I believe and I've come to know that you are the Holy One of God, sent from, from God. You are the Holy One of God. How did he get there? He followed. His trust level rose. He became convinced. And then he's in that position that you and I are at frequently. We have to decide what do we believe when a monkey wrench is thrown our direction, whether it's circumstantially, whether it's a question we read in the Bible we don't get, and we're not sure we believe it all, and we have questions, and it all doesn't just settle in nice and neat and tidy, and we are convinced. You can become convinced that Jesus is who he claims to be if you begin to follow him. Now this is a scriptural example. I want to give you a real life example. Now, some of you who have been with me for years have probably heard this two times. But if you're like me, it's a good one. And you'll enjoy it again. This comes from Rebecca Manley Pippert in her book, book, Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. I now say to non-believers, tell God, or the four walls, if that is the one you think you are speaking to, That you want to find out if Jesus is truly God. And that if you could feel more certain, you would follow him. Then begin to read the Gospels every day. Each day, as you read, something will probably hit you and make sense. Whatever that is, do it as soon as you can. In other words, I call them to act on whatever strikes them as true and to do it if they are sincerely seeking God. Does that sound like Jesus? Jesus said that. If you want to find out, do what, the, what God teaches and you'll discover that my teaching does, is not my own opinion. And then there's parentheses. Uh, are sincerely seeking God and not trying to earn salvation by a works righteousness. One day, Sue, a very bright student, came to me. She told me she was an agnostic, but that her best friend Larry had become a Christian. He talked to her a lot about his faith and did not neglect her after his conversion. Instead, he brought her to his campus Christian gatherings and introduced her to his new Christian friends. He made her feel comfortable and a part of his very different Christian world. He answered as best as he could her many intellectual questions about his faith. And most importantly, he continued to love her. I've seen what Christ has done for Larry, she told me. I see the love these Christians have for each other and for me. I've seen what Jesus is like in the Gospels, and a lot of my questions have been answered. But I still don't believe. I'd like to find God, but I'm plagued with doubts. Please don't ask me to pray to receive Christ, it'd be dishonest. What what should I do? I suggested what I mentioned above. She gulped and said, that that's radical, but but I'll do it. So she began having what she called her pagan quiet times. That's funny. And the Christians around her prayed that God would speak to her in the scriptures and give her concrete situations in which she could obey. Several months later, she said she wanted to talk to me. Here is Sue's story. One day I read in the Bible, if someone steals your coat, don't let him have only that, but offer your cloak as well. For whatever reason, that verse hit me between the eyes. So I said to the four walls, listen, walls, or God, if you're there, I'm going to do what this verse says if the opportunity arises today. I want to remind you that I'm trying to do things your way in order to find out if you exist and if Jesus really is who he says he is. Amen. The day went by and I forgot the verse. Then I headed to the library to continue working on my senior thesis. Just as I sat down at my design, uh, designated thesis desk, this guy comes up and starts yelling at me. He told me the school hadn't given him his thesis desk, so he was going to take mine. Everyone knows how important your thesis desk is. Everybody should know how hard it is to say this, too. Is for your work. The school only gives you one. I started yelling back, and pretty soon, we caused uh, quite a ruckus. But it was when he glared at me and said, Look, I am stealing it from you, whether you like it or not, that it suddenly hit me. I just looked at him and moaned, oh, no, no. (laughs) I can't believe it. And to myself, I thought, look, God, if you're there, I do want to know if Jesus is God, but isn't there some other way of finding out whether Jesus is God besides obeying that verse? I mean, couldn't I tithe (laughs) or get baptized or give up something else? Don't take my thesis desk. I mean, with my luck, I'll give up the desk and then discover that you're, you don't even exist. But I couldn't escape the fact that I had read that verse the same day someone tried to rob me. Before, I had always been amused to see how Jesus aimed for the jugular vein in his conversations with people in the Bible. But now, it didn't feel so funny. I took a deep breath, tried not to swear, and said, okay, you can have the desk, He looked bewildered. But just at that time, the librarian came up. She said she'd heard the conversation and was outraged. Then the boy began swearing at her and intimidated her so much that she told us we had to see this thesis advisor. So the three of us trotted over to the advisor's office. The more the boy swore, the more nervous the advisor became. He told us he couldn't make the final decision, but we should go to the head of the department. The head of the department told us exactly the same thing, but urged us to see the Dean of Men. And the Dean of Men guided us to someone else. And finally, the last person we saw said, well, what does Sue think we should do? All this time, I kept thinking about what I'd seen in these past several months. I'd seen Larry's life changed. I'd seen something beautiful in this Christian fellowship, something so real I could almost touch it. Even though I was not a Christian... I had been loved by these people and I'd seen Jesus in the Bible. I felt so drawn to him, I realized even without a thesis desk, somehow I still had more than this poor pathetic boy. I told them he could have the desk and the meeting was over. But when we walked out the door, this guy grabbed my arm and asked me, why in the world I let him have it? I told him he would think I'd really flipped out but I was trying to discover if Jesus was really who he claimed to be. I was attempting to do the things he told me to do. I'd been reading what he says in the Gospels, and today I read that if someone tried to rip me off, I was supposed to let them rip me off and even throw in something extra to boot. All I could see were the whites of his eyes. So I'm going to give you the desk, but don't you press your luck, dude, about something extra. <laughs> then he asked, why in the world would Jesus say such a crazy thing? Then I said, hey, if there's one thing I've learned from reading about Jesus and meeting some real Christians, it's that Jesus would give you a whole lot more than a thesis desk if you'd let him. I know Jesus would give it to you, so that thesis desk is yours. As I said those words, I just simply knew. I knew it was true. I kind of felt like God was saying, well done, well done. That's the way I want my children to behave. Not convinced? Words won't convince you. Follow and see. Take steps and see. In the children's department, they would have a hard time tracking with us the way we've been tracking together. So they just cut to the chase. And the children's department, what they're doing today is sending the kids home with just two passages of scripture and asking the kids to highlight what Jesus says and to try it. Make it that simple. Folks, that's all that was told Sue. Read the Gospels. When something resonates with you, don't just let it sink into your head. Live it. And you'll become convinced that you're living out a firmer, better reality. And your life will be more peaceful, more joyful, more true. Something will shift inside, and you'll become convinced Jesus knew what he was talking about. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus the sustenance, the bread the life from heaven. Lord Jesus, thank you for making such wild, crazy claims because they were true. Lord, we want to walk in these truths, to test them, to allow our heart and our soul to become convinced that you're real, so convinced that others see it too. Lord Jesus, help us to take steps. In Jesus' name.